Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Glorious. It is the day after Selection Sunday, which let's just call this Selection Monday, shall we? On the Dan Dockett. This is not the Dan Dockett show. That ship has passed. This is called Don't At Me. It is Don't At Me. Welcome. If you watch this on Fox News, you're going to get a treat because our show is exactly that. It's a treat. It's just a pleasure to be here with you today. We already have a lot of people on the YouTube chat. We already have a lot of people watching on Twitter, and we're going to get right into it. The NCAA tournament bracket was released yesterday, and ladies and gentlemen, it was fascinating to me. It it really and truly was, and I'm going to keep it local here for just a minute. Purdue got jobbed. Like, Purdue as the fourth number one seed, this is a team that, oh, I don't know, won the Big Ten, won the Big Ten tournament, and you're telling me they're the fourth number one seed? I watched Houston yesterday. They stinks. They stinks. Don't give me Houston. They were without one of their best players, Marcus Sasser, and they couldn't play dead. Kansas got beat by 172 by a team with an interim coach, and Kansas was a higher seed than the Big Ten regular season champs by three games. Purdue was by three games. So how do they get jobbed? Well, I'll tell you, Duke's the ACC champ. Duke's won nine in a row, and, well, I don't know. I look over here, and I say, well, who does Kansas have to play? The WAC, the WCC champ, but they don't have to play them until the Elite Eight. Purdue's got to play the freaking, honest to God, they got to play the freaking ACC champ. There is no way Duke is a five seed. Don't tell me, oh, look, we go by body work. Well, that's stupid then. You got to go by how things are going, and Purdue got screwed. Purdue's always getting screwed. I remember, I think it was 84. Purdue had to go to LSU and play, and we had to go to, like, I don't know, Richmond. I was unbelievable. Purdue has been screwed in the NCAA tournament so many years, I can't even begin to tell you. Honest to God, I can't even begin to tell you. So they got screwed again. Indiana, all right, so here's the deal. So Indiana plays Kent State. Now, I took the coach at Kent State's job, Rob Senderoff. Rob Senderoff was cheating his brains out for Calvin Sampson, and Calvin Sampson pretty smart. Calvin Sampson uh, got rid of Senderoff, but took care of Senderoff. I'll give you a few stories. Calvin Sampson owed me five grand for camp. Never paid it because that's Calvin Sampson. He's a rat. He's a fink. He's ridiculous. He's awful. But anyway, he slips me a camp check and says, hey, get this to sender off, would you? I'm like, yeah, all right. I don't even know if I did or not. I'm not sure. So sender off gets fired in the middle of the 2008 season. All right. Senderoff then, however it happens, because cheating pays, was buddies. He was at Kent State, went back to Kent State, ends up getting a Kent State job. He's done a good job with Kent State, but he is a scheming little guy. I watched him ball like a baby. Indiana fans, if you want to, 
If you want to get under Senderoff's skin, cheer Bud Mackey. Bud Mackey was a player that Senderoff sold Samson on. He was from Kentucky. By all accounts, a good player. Never got to play. Why? Armed robbery, drugs. So we find out one day that Bud Mackey has been arrested. I'm sitting in my office. I'm just laughing. Because I'm watching Senderoff and Ray McCollum and Samson. It's like the Keystone Cops of idiots. I know you all love Calvin Sampson and you think he's a great coach. Maybe he is. I don't know. But so anyway, we find out. Samson's out of town. We find out that Bud Mackey has been arrested for like multiple armed robbery, drugs, everything. And my man Senderoff is bawling in my office. Now this is after, and you got to understand how obnoxious and arrogant Senderoff was. You got to understand that when I came to Indiana after 16 years at Indiana with Bob Knight, 10 years as a head coach, this little weasel tells me, hey, look, it's a new Indiana. There's a new sheriff in town. This ain't the same old Indiana. I'm like, ah, oh, man, great. You guys are awesome. About a month later, I found out that Senderoff and Samson and McCollum had all been cheating. It was glorious. So this little weasel is now coaching at Kent State. He's got a good team. Now he's got a really good team. And he's got team enough to beat Indiana because they've got guards, they've got quickness. Indiana cannot lose this game. If Indiana loses to Kent State, I may blow my head. No, my head may blow up with how angry I'm going to be Monday morning if this happens. You can't lose to little Robbie Center. So Senderoff leaves, I become a full-time assistant there, and I'm working with the bigs, and that was Senderoff's job. He had no idea how to coach nothing. We had DJ White, didn't have a jump hook. I go, DJ, you got to get a jump hook. So he started working on a jump hook. He goes, man, Senderoff didn't know none of this. I go, really? Well, he's an idiot. He's a whiner. He's a baby. But anyway, he's done a nice job. I don't know how he's gotten his players. I would assume he's gotten them the same way Calvin Sampson gets them. But anyway, he's got a nice team. They play faster, athletic, and Indiana may have a little bit of difficulty there. In fact, they may have a lot of difficulty there. Dane Fife, former Indiana Hoosier, played the national championship game. And in fact, they beat Kent to go to the championship, or excuse me, to go to the Final Four in 2002. That's a Kent team that my team couldn't beat. I, I was a head coach at Bowling Green. We were 24 and 6. 24 and 6, lost three games to Kent. I, I couldn't stop Antonio Gates. We doubled, we tripled. They had a great team. And it took 15 threes by Indiana to go ahead and get it done against Kent. We'll talk to Dane Fife. Dane studies all this stuff. We'll get into the Midwest region. What we're going to do this week different guy, different day to break down a different region. All the while, I'm going to give you the overview. Couple of other. Things. I'm going to go back to Purdue. See, here's the deal. Purdue, all right, you got a first-round game. You got a first-round game against you're going to win, all right? But the second round, think about this. So they put Memphis in the 8-9 game against Purdue, all right? I want, you to, I want you to understand this. Memphis just routed Houston for the AAC championship, all right? So I'm going to say Memphis is going to beat Florida Atlantic, but Florida Atlantic's like 31-3. and three. That's the second-round game for Purdue. Let me go the other way. Maryland stinks. West Virginia stinks. That's who Bama gets to play. Iowa stinks. Auburn, not bad. That's who Houston gets to play in the second round. 
Arkansas underachieve, Illinois underachieve. Neither came close to winning anything in their own conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten. And that's who Kansas gets to play. Who does Purdue get to play? A team that just beat a number one seed by 20 and beat them all day. I don't know what the final was, but that game was over. Yeah, Purdue got screwed here. Now, you're asking me, and I'll get into my final four, but a team that I really like is Texas. Or No, it's not. team that I really like is Gonzaga. I watched Gonzaga dismantle, and I mean dismantle. And when I say dismantle, I mean beat the living crap out of their rival St. Mary's. St. Mary's my backside. It's embarrassing to the WCC that St. Mary's tied for the conference title with Gonzaga. It's embarrassing. And St. Mary's, oh, by the way, is going to get blasted. I mean blasted by VCU. Here's why. VCU defensive pressure havoc from the Shaka Smart days. And speaking of Shaka Smart, how good is Marquette? I'll get into that. But here's the deal. VCU is down, not playing well against Dayton, and like running water for the Atlantic 10 championship, VCU just wears them out. That's a sign of a really good team this time of year. Hey, look, St. Mary's looks like a bunch of guys that didn't get in the weight room. I talked how good they were a few weeks ago. Ah, I was wrong a few weeks ago. They do look better than they looked uh, maybe five years ago when I did a game in the NIT of theirs at Valpo when they all looked like a bunch of little frat boys. But the fact of the matter is they're bigger, they're stronger, but St. Mary's going to get whooped by VCU. I cannot believe that VCU is actually not the favorite. Don't be surprised if VCU does not end up as the favorite. NFL trades, baby. All right, while we all sit around, and we'll talk to Jonathan Hutton about this, while we all sit around and wait for the white smoke to come out of the Pat McAfee show, which is literally right there down the street, he's got the Thunderdome. If the white smoke comes out, we'll know that Aaron Rodgers has been traded. I guess we got to wait till Tuesday when Pat and, and Aaron discuss it on their show. So here's the deal. Aaron Rodgers told us a decision is coming soon. Uh, Stay tuned. Shut up. What's the decision? Well, the decision is, are you going to go to the Jets or are you going to stay with the Packers? It seems to be that's the decision. Now, multiple media reports are saying it's essentially done. But only me on this show tells you that multiple media reports are idiots. Remember when Jim Ursay said, well, I like that guy from Alabama. What did all the McShays of the world do? Oh, number one pick in the draft, Colts are trading uh, trading up and getting Bryce Young. I told you that's not true. Jim Ursay just talks. Jim Ursay's like me. I just talk. What do I got? I got nothing. I just talk. But the truth of the matter is they didn't make the trade. I'll get into that trade uh, coming up here in a minute. But everybody is waiting for the smoke. Everybody's waiting for Moses to come down with the tablets of stone and tell us, give us the commandment that is Aaron Rodgers. Personally, I'm a little tired of Aaron Rodgers. And haven't we done this already in the NFL? Haven't we seen an all-time legend in Green Bay get tired of being in Green Bay and end up with the Jets? Now, uh, penis pictures aside, this seems to be the same direction that this whole thing headed with Brett Favre. Maybe I'm wrong. 
but that's what it says. That's what it seems. I'm tired of Green Bay. Where am I going? Oh, my God. Play the hits. ESPN will play Aaron Rodgers and the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy and LeBron James until they're green. By the way, someone was getting fired today at ESPN. There was four white guys on the set. That ain't supposed to happen. Man, that's so 2018 of you, ESPN. Now Lewis Riddick's on, so everything's good now. But my goodness, I looked at that. I texted one of my buddies. Someone's getting fired at ESPN. He's an ESPN producer. He said, hope not me. You can't have three or four white guys on the set by themselves. You got to get somebody else in there. You got Lewis Riddick in there. You got to get somebody in there. I mean, where is, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, I forget his name. He did the morning show for a minute on ESPN radio. Anyway, I digress. ESPN dodged a bullet right there. Anyway, all right, so we wait on Aaron Rodgers. The Bears, I don't know what to make of this. Man, do you guys love draft picks. I'm not going to lie. You guys love draft kick picks. I'm sitting here, and I watch the Colts. Colts don't do nothing. Colts don't make any pick. Colts don't do jack because the general manager, a man named Chris Ballard, is so scared of Twitter reaction, he mentions it at every press, press conference. So, Frank Reich is the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Frank Reich, free, free of Chris Ballard being a coward, is now involved in making a blockbuster deal where they're going to have, they being the Carolina Panthers, their choice. C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, which would be ridiculous. And, of course, Bryce Young, Will Levis, I don't know, who you want. So you see the trade there. First round pick the Bears get number nine. Might as well just, hey, look, maybe Jalen Carter falls to you. Second round pick this year. First round pick next year. Second round pick. And now, of course, because the Bears made a trade, DJ Moore is great. DJ Moore, ah, he's great. Okay, he's fine. But it gives Justin Fields a weapon. And if I were the Bears... I would draft somebody that is a weapon again for Justin Fields. We've learned from Kansas City, you can never have too many weapons. I mean, daggone, how about that Pancheco guy or Panchero guy? Are you kidding me? Now, here comes the Carolina Panthers. Uh, You got a chance here, don't you? You got a chance to set your franchise up. Is it C.J. Stroud? People seem to think it is. C.J. Stroud, according to all the little slaps on ESPNN and other, other places, they, he seems to be the guy with all of it. When I talk to different people at Ohio State, yeah, they're like, be careful here. Be careful here. C.J. Stroud, terrific against Georgia, and that's the C.J. Stroud you want. But is he committed? Is he mature? Can he lead adult men? It's a big question. That's what I'm going with. See, here's the deal. When people talk about quarterbacks and people talk about phenoms in basketball that are going to dominate the NFL, I don't really care about their measurables. I care about one thing. How mentally tough are they? How mentally strong are they? How willing to work are they? That's the only thing that matters. It really and truly is. Anything other than that is garbage. Anything other than that is crapola. Like there's this big kid, Victor, meta, blah, 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 blah. Who's the new thing? The unicorn. All right. I watched him play. He's terrific. Is he tough? 
Is he going to do what Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and others have done, which is have an insatiable appetite for work? An insatiable, an insatiable appetite for basketball, for glory, for fame, for championships? Who knows? Doesn't seem like C.J. Stroud has that. Let me tell you who absolutely had that. I'll give you two names, Brady and Manning. I'll, tell you, I'll give you another name, Mahomes. Anybody see Patrick Mahomes when he got hurt? Begging to get back in, that's an insatiable appetite. He didn't go sit there on the bench. He didn't go sit there and act like, all right, I'm safe now. He wanted in. And he wanted in immediately. Tape it up. Let's go. Put a little dirt on it. I'm ready to go. That's insatiable. Peyton Manning. Stories are legendary about a drafted wide receiver having to work out with Peyton Manning before he does his press conference. It's incredible how locked in Manning and Brady and the greats are. C.J. Stroud doesn't have that by all accounts. I don't know whether Bryce Young does or not. I don't know. I know this. You better get it right, Carolina, because when you have the first pick, guess what? Unless that guy's really good at what are we doing? We're ripping you because a guy that's picked fourth or eighth or tenth, you passed on, ooh, that's career-changing. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Anybody ever heard the name Ryan Pace? Trubisky, not Mahomes. Trubisky, not the Mad Jacker, Deshaun uh, Watson. That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Be careful. Be careful. But good for Frank Reich. He ends up getting away from a coward and gets a chance. A chance at greatness. All right, Jalen Ramsey has been traded. Jalen Ramsey, here's the deal. I know he says he prayed on it, and I know he's terrific, third-rated corner in the league, but, man, people don't want him around, and I saw it. I've told you this before. You see, third-round pick, Hunter Long, uh, a tight end. I saw it. I'm sitting there, and I know this is a while back, and I know he was young. That's fine. But I saw it for myself when he was with Jacksonville. I've told you many times, I said, I, my season tickets, six rows behind the visitor's bench, and I always watch the bench. The two guys that infuriated me were Jalen Ramsey and Nick Foles. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, the team would be sitting here, you know, and the benches are kind of like this, and he would be over here acting a fool. Now, he was young. Maybe he grew up. I don't know. But I know this. He gets traded from Jacksonville. He gets traded from the Rams, and he prayed on it, so we know that's the reason it happened. The other guy I disliked was Nick Foles. Nick Foles walked around, and I'm being literal here. I know he's a religious guy. I I understand the piety. I understand the piousness. But those two guys, I could not stand. The two guys I like the most, Calais Campbell. Calais Campbell, man, that dude was always engaged with his team and Tom Brady. Tom Brady was watching. He was studying. He was working. But anyway, so Jalen Ramsey gets traded. All right. Good for you. Some college basketball news. The great, not the great, the very mediocre Royce Waltman. God rest his soul. One of my assistant, uh, when I was playing at Indiana, he was an assistant basketball coach at Indiana, deathly afraid of Coach Knight. So what did he do? He picked on me. I'll never forget him picking on me when Alfred was causing the trouble. I was bitter still. But anyway, he passed away. Let's not talk ill of the dead. He said this. He said, get fired in college basketball for anything other than losing, and you will find another job. Hello, Will Wade. Hello, McNeese State. Will Wade famously fired for being a cheat with a punchable face. 
He was fired at LSU. He's on tape talking about big blank deals. He was a cheat. And he wasn't that good a coach anyway. Now, I know everybody liked him. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. Nice guy to me, very respectful to me. So I do like him. But again, get fired for anything in college basketball other than losing. And you too will find a better job as we have a Chris Beard watch. We have a Chris Beard watch where he is going to be hired at Mississippi because Mississippi wants to win. And hey, in the SEC, I don't care. It just means more. Look at Brandon Miller. You know what nobody's talked about in the Brandon Miller thing? Maybe, maybe it needs to be understood that this guy, Nate Oates, didn't bring Brandon Miller here. He brought in Darius Miles, the guy who was right there with the killing, the guy that needed a gun. That's who Nate Oates brought in. I've told you before, I'll tell you again. You can win everything you want, but I am firing Nate Oates for bringing Darius Miles in. You bring a killer on the campus or a guy that's that close of an accomplice facing a capital murder charge, boom. But anyway, I don't mean to put that kind of thing on uh, Will Wade, although I would not be surprised. But Will Wade, back in college basketball, and college basketball, once again, is worse for it. It pays to cheat. Senderoff was a little cheat. Wasn't even good at it. Got caught easy when he was at Indiana. Will Wade, a cheat. Anyway, it pays to Cheat. Look at Calvin Sampson. Nobody cheated more than Calvin Sampson. And for anybody that thinks it was just phone calls with Calvin Sampson, I got two words for you. My backside. All right, Dylan, Ryan, let's show the pitch. The pitch that I don't even know what to tell you. The worst strike three ever. So we can't show the whole thing, but you see the uh, – don't, uh, don't look at the batter. Don't look at the pitcher. Look at the ball. You see the ball? You see the catcher backhanding it. The catcher has to go outside. This umpire decided, hey, strike three. Now, I got to tell you, the Southland Conference umpire, he showed him. Man, oh, man, he showed him. He showed him. He's mad. He's not happy. So this guy decided that I'm going to call this right here in the New Orleans-Mississippi Valley State game, strike three. All right. Okay. Well, guess what? Now, here's the interesting thing. Here's the interesting thing about this. The umpire, Reggie Drummer, called that pitch strike three, and the previous one was just as bad for strike two. So Reggie called strike three. Now, this is the second one. I'm sorry. The first one was a way out. This one's way out. You see, look at the catcher. He calls him strike three. He takes off his stuff, challenges everybody to a fight, and walks off. Okay. Well, Reggie Drummer has been suspended. Reggie Drummer is an idiot. I mean, Reggie Drummer is a punk. Reggie Drummer should never umpire anything ever again. In fact, if I were Reggie Drummer's children, I would disown him. That's right. I would disown him. Uh, Look, if my dad is so petty, so stupid, so ridiculous, uh, lacking such integrity, I'd have to say, yo, pops, get back to me when you grow the hell up. But Reggie was mad. So Reggie was going to show the Southland Conference, Mississippi Valley State, and everyone in the arena, and now the nation, his backside. 
Good for Reggie. Go get him, Reg. I'm sure he'll be on Oprah, and I'm sure the white media will say, oh, it's too bad. But the truth of the matter is, Reggie is a rotten human being with no integrity, and I don't apologize for it. Not even, not even a little bit. Uh, here's the deal. You ready? Did you see this with the Miami Dolphins? So the Miami Dolphins get all these guys, right? The Miami Dolphins get all these guys. They've got little woke coach Mike McDan- McDaniel, who's not like any other NFL coach. No, he... Anyway, so now they got all these guys. Tyreek Hill. All right, man. They got Tyreek Hill. They got, uh, who else? Jalen Ramsey. But, and they extended to a tongue of Iowa before they had to, which is smart. What the heck? He's in his fifth year. You think he's your quarterback. Problem you have is he's going to get knocked on his backside and get hurt. So now everybody on ESPN, everybody across NFL, the idiots that are in the NFL media are going to tell you how good they are. They won't be good. They'll be all right. They'll be fine. No, they'll be fine. But you're going to have to hear how great the Dolphins are because nobody is more on the right side of the media than the Miami Dolphins. Nobody. Nobody. And it's because their coach is uh, biracial and kind of cool and kind of hip and kind of woke. And he wears, you know, ducks on his shirt. And, you know, he's not a typical football guy because it's cool to say we don't like typical football guy. But you're going to hear from the Miami Dolphins all off season. And they brought a bunch of guys that on their own haven't won squat. And we'll see what happens. But mark my words. I want this date marked. What is today? I don't even know. What's today? The 11th? I can't even. 13th, 15th, 18th, 20th? I don't know. But mark this day. I've told you VCU is going to beat the brakes off of St. Mary's. <laughs> and the Miami Dolphins are going to rock and roll. All right, last, last thing. It doesn't bother me that Indiana and others are playing like at 9.55 Eastern time, but it kind of does. I mean, seriously, what, what, what are we doing? 9.55 tip. That's 10 o'clock earliest they're tipping because there's a game before. What are we doing? Like, I've never really got into the debate. Coach Knight used to, Big Monday, all that kind of stuff. And I understand that the NCAA tournament uh, gets a lot of money, pays a lot, blah, 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 blah. Coach's salaries are through the roof. But let me look at you and ask you. 9.55? 10 o'clock at night? On a college basketball game? That it's unnecessary? Now, maybe it's necessary. I don't know. But 9.55. That's what you're telling me. In a college basketball game. Start time. So let me explain to you what happens. So Friday night, it starts. 9.55. Let's say it starts at 10. We'll, we'll make it easy. You're done at noon or midnight because that's what happens. And anyone that's played college or actually high school basketball knows you can't sleep after a game. Uh, unless, you didn't, unless you didn't, you know, play, which happened to me a lot. But even more than that, you've got a bunch of stuff. You've got media interviews. Now, the media can't come in for 10 minutes to your locker room. 
So that game's over two hours because there are long breaks, long commercials in the NCAA tournament. By the time the media even comes into your locker room, we're looking at 1230, 12.20. They're in there for 10 or 15 minutes. Then you're going to shower. Then your coach, some of your players have to do media. Now, a couple guys got to take a urine test. Now, you're on the bus and you let those guys stay there. You get back to the hotel, it's 1 o'clock. Now you're going to get something to eat. Now you're going to have a little team meeting. By the time you get to bed, the earliest would be 1.30 in the morning. Now, understand this. Understand. It's not like me, or it's not like you, where 1.30 in the morning is, oh, so late. I mean, these dudes are used to doing that, but they got to play in a couple of hours or a couple of days, less than 48 hours. It's ridiculous they put these kids through this. But hey, money talks, BS walks, and all the little dudes in that committee that are sitting there, you saw them on TV with their little uh, laptops, looking at stuff, looking all serious. That's what they want because as we all know, Money Talks and Bolshevik Walks. We're going to talk to Jonathan Hutton when we come back. Going to get his take on all things. Did Vandy get screwed? I don't know. Did Rutgers get screwed? I don't know. Is Derrick Henry for sale? Not for sale. Is Derrick Henry for trade? Is Ryan Tannehill? I hope so. I do. Uh, We will get into all of that as we await the white smoke. The white smoke to come billowing out of Pat McAfee's Thunderdome, which is right there. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. There are many reasons why we have the great Jonathan Hutton on. One is because he is a genius. He is a sports god. (laughs) He is a well-spoken individual. And the other is because the ladies on our YouTube chat swoon when Jay Hutt is on there. Jennifer, this is for you. Hey, uh, big dog, you like Alabama for real or do you like Alabama... I don't know, because it would throw it in the face of the NCAA, I guess. I don't know. Where are you at with Alabama basketball? I'm, I'm picking the Crimson Tide to cut down the nets at the Final Four, Dan. I mean, I, they've they've done everything else uh, since the whole thing went down on the, the strip in Tuscaloosa, where they have two charged with capital murder. Brandon Miller brought the weapon to the scene, and Nate Oates – and Greg Byrne and the university and the SEC stood aside and let them do their thing all in the name of winning. So why wouldn't I pick the winner? And the winner is Alabama. You know, that is interesting. Uh, If you ever want to know the slogan, it just means more, and you want a description, you just put in the Alabama basketball team this year. That's it. And somehow that has galvanized the the entire fan base with the team, and it's them against the world. Uh, and and somehow they're now the quote-unquote underdog team that you know is number one seed in the tournament because everyone's against them because Miller continues to play. And oh, by the way, uh, Miller 
lit up Missouri in the second half of the semis at the SEC tournament and then did his thing again against A&M in the championship game. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's turned out okay for Alabama, at least in their own eyes. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, the SEC tournament, I'm going to go something. I didn't have this on the rundown for you, but everybody yeah. talks about the blue mist coming into Van, you know, coming into Nashville. I've said from the get-go, Kentucky just looks like any other team. If you didn't have Kentucky on your jersey, I'm not sure they they would be Kent State. Uh, you would know better than me on Kent State, but look, uh, normally the blue mist hits Nashville, and it's evident there were a lot of Kentucky fans here uh, downtown early or late last week, but the last few times that that Kentucky has been here uh, with the SEC tournament in Nashville, they've not stuck around very long. And, you know, that the, the hotels, the uh, tourism board, they want Kentucky to do well. Um, this year, though, they've just been under the radar in the tournament, though. And look, I, I thought we would see a typical Cal team where it's been a, a younger team come together and they go on a nice run in the tournament and they go in playing well. It's the opposite. And Dan, I wonder, and this is something we can get into or we can get into later on, on 360 when you join us, the pressure of Kentucky in round one for Calipari. Because I, I thought I thought they were going to be a much higher seed this year than where they ended up. And they're coming off of the first round loss to St. Peter's a year ago. I, I think they've got to, to win a game or two. Um, but I would have said that prior to the season. Now no one's expecting them to win. So I wonder if there's any pressure whatsoever. Oh, there's a hell of a lot of pressure. Providence, yeah. Ed Cooley, good. You know, look, I said this after last year. Uh, I, I, I think, and I thought this last year, and I've thought this maybe for two years, I think Kentucky's lost momentum. I know they have a great recruiting class coming in. I get that. Uh, they always have a great recruiting class coming in. But from a national perspective, they're always relevant. They're never going to be irrelevant. Yeah. But – I got to tell you, I, I don't I, – they're not as interesting. They're, they're, there's nothing that draws you to this particular Kentucky team, and there was nothing that drew you to last year's Kentucky team. I don't know how they lose momentum, though, when Oscar Sheeway announces that he's returning as a national player of the year, and then they produce this. Like, yeah. you're right, but this would have not been the season that I would have banked on for them for their momentum to continue to decline, and it has. And uh, if another first-round loss happens for Kentucky, I, I'm eager to see the fan base and the reaction for Calipari and Calipari making the excuses because those will be coming too. Man, you know, to your point, it is amazing how coaches just make excuses. I mean, it's stunning. Yeah. Uh, I had Bo Ryan on the other day on a show that – you know, an interview thing that Big Ten Network asked me to do. He's still making excuses for freaking losing uh, the national championship game to Duke. I, I love it. I, I think it's freaking awesome. All right. Dan, yeah. when, you, when you were coaching at the podium post game, do you recall in your own mind, like, man, I can't believe I'm about to say this or make this excuse on behalf of my team? Because you knew it was going to play well in the locker room, but not necessarily publicly. See, I did it the other way. I, I said things, Good. and I learned this from Coach Knight, I, I said things the other way that I wanted players to hear. So I'd be like, yeah, look, Netter didn't show up today. This kid didn't show. He, he decided he was going to commit stupid fouls, and so we, yeah. we all got hamstrung by it. And then I'd say the same thing. Uh, all right, literally, I think it's like 1.2 miles away from 
me right now is the Pat McAfee Thunderdome, where on Tuesdays, Aaron Rodgers and Pat McAfee divulge all things Aaron Rodgers. I'm waiting. I have somebody stationed outside Pat's Thunderdome here, his studio, looking for the white smoke. I'm waiting for it. Jonathan, what happens with Aaron Rodgers? I think he's getting traded to the Jets unless he decides to retire. And I honestly don't know which way he's going. I, I wasn't considering retirement as a big option, Dan. I don't know about you, but I, I thought the guy was wanting to play and prove a point. Ultimately, I think he stays. And I, I think when I stay, stays in the league. He's not going back to Green Bay. And I think he's getting traded to the Jets and the Jet, you know, reports over the weekend that the, the trade's already been negotiated. They're waiting on Rodgers to make up his mind. And he continues to say it's happening soon. I expect it to be early this week. And it needs to be before the league year begins March 15th so that the Jets can take into account everything uh, that they need to roster-wise to be under the cap. And they're there now, but they also need to go after some pieces in free agency. So I don't... I don't anticipate this being much longer of a, of a wait period, but at the same time, I think it's a very unpredictable outcome. Um, I think he could retire just as much as he could go with the Jets, and he could retire and just prolong this decision a bit more if he's still uncertain about Woody Johnson and everything going on in New York. But right now, that's the only team that's clamoring for him, which is a bit surprising, but it also tells us what the Packers think. They're tired of this annual deal and the Jets are willing to sign up for this. If the Jets get him, they'll be in this predicament a year from now. Uh, Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. If he had an agent, the agent would be receiving offers today. Since he doesn't have an agent, and I guess players could only look at the offer on Wednesday, seems like a stupid thing, but I'm sure there's a reason. Since he doesn't have an agent and he is a player – uh, Lamar Jackson can get offers on Wednesday. Are you surprised at the whole Lamar Jackson thing? First, you know, the, you, you had to franchise him. Teams then coming out and saying, we're not interested. Where are you at with this, with Lamar Jackson? I'm surprised that I, I feel the way I do about Jackson not having an agent right now because leading up to last week, Dan, I thought he has played this really well. Props to the Ravens, though. This is a great business move by them. I don't think they gain a lot of respect on Jackson's end, but at the same time, they did offer him $133 million guaranteed a year ago last August. The Ravens have basically said, we're going to give you the non-exclusive franchise tag, and it appears as though they're going to match any offer, the best offer that Lamar gets on the open market now that teams can make a bid. I, I don't understand this aspect of it. I, immediately, the media rushed to say this is not collusion, that, that the owners were not colluding to give a second quarterback a fully guaranteed contract the way we saw Deshaun Watson get paid, $235 million over five years a year ago from Cleveland to Houston. They sent three first-round picks, second- and third-round picks as well in exchange for Watson. I don't blame... Lamar Jackson for sitting back and going, okay, not only do I feel like I'm better than Deshaun Watson, Jackson's going, I'm a former MVP. I don't have the off the field baggage. And here's a quarterback when he's at his best in Watson, top five quarterback in the league. He was that good 
after 2020. And he's looking around. Lamar is going, I'm going to get that same deal. And I'm representing myself. So here we go. And at worst, he's going to get the franchise tag, which the exclusive tag would have been around $45 million. But here's Baltimore saying, go get the best offer. You've turned down ours. And we'll be very similar in what other teams are going to offer. I think the media said, well, the assumption is the owners got together and said, we're not doing the Watson deal. Collusion. Or is it? And the media backed the owners on this. I don't see the middle ground here, though. And this is where it bugs me. You're telling me in a league where every general manager and every head coach and every owner claims that they turn over every stone, that they look under every corner, nook and cranny, trying to make their team better, that within an hour and a half of the non-exclusive tag being applied to Lamar Jackson, teams like the Atlanta Falcons, who has the second best cap structure right now in the NFL, second only to Chicago, and a number of other teams just simply said, yeah, we're not interested in Lamar Jackson. This does not happen on an annual basis. I mean, you can go get Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz, uh, name the you know middle ground, barely good enough starting quarterback. Those guys hit free agency. Guys like Lamar Jackson don't. And the Ravens have just allowed him to accept other offers. And they're leaving open the possibility of it being such a high number that they wouldn't match, that they're letting him walk. They're leaving open the possibility of there being a second Jimmy Haslam in the NFL. And I don't buy the fact that all these owners are sitting back going, you know what, we're not interested in Lamar Jackson. I would be the opposite. And I don't understand how within an hour, teams are just like, ah, Baltimore's matching, we're not even going to try. Teams try everything. Teams have already been negotiating with agents right now behind the scenes before the quote-unquote legal tampering period. But before we ever heard from the Ravens or Jackson on the non-exclusive tag, Dan, teams were eager to get out word that they were not going to even try to negotiate with the Ravens' top player and a top 10 player in the NFL. It bugged me. So while they're not, there may not be collusion on the fully guaranteed money because the owners don't want to apply that, that precedent moving forward, again, it just doesn't make sense to me that teams wouldn't pick up the phone and call. But this is where, going back to my original point, he needs an agent right now. Because we're only hearing one side of things. And it's either take the Ravens' top offer that they're going to give him now or accept another offer. And we need to know which teams are out there, her sources that are trying to negotiate with him. And we don't have that information. Appreciate it, my friend. I uh, look forward to talking to you this afternoon. we got a lot to talk about. Yes, we do. Uh, can't wait to find out your final four and – Looking ahead to, to this afternoon, it's going to be a great chat. Uh, Withrow and I are ready to, ready to go on the bracket whenever you join us at, at 320 Eastern. Can't wait. Thank you, my friend. You got it. Thank you, Dan. Women swoon when Jonathan Hutton come on. They do. I'm sorry. They just do. Uh, breaking news I, I, from the SEC. Uh, I am being told. I just got a text from a friend of mine. I'm being told that it is going to happen maybe today. Chris Beard as the new head coach of the Ole Miss Rebels. Are they still called the Rebels? Are they still allowed to? I, I don't know what anybody's allowed to call. But Chris Beard, who famously 
uh, got ousted at Texas for allegedly choking his fiance is back in basketball. What did I say earlier, Jennifer? And, uh, all of you on the YouTube chat and all of you watching here, what did I say earlier? Get fired for anything. And I mean anything other than what? That's right. Losing in college basketball and you too can have a job. Let's discuss real quick. Let's just, let's just talk about what we have. Let's just go into this. So right now, the SEC champ has a player, Darius Miles, that is facing capital murder charges. Another player on that team was there. A third player brought the murder weapon to the scene. The coach at the SEC tournament was asked about guns. He said, yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody has any guns now. You don't think? Now? Okay. Look, I'm not a stickler for university procedure. I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm, I'm just not. But I got to tell you, you probably should know whether your guys have guns in this day and age. Like back in the day, there were some dudes I played with in Indiana that had shotguns because they like to go hunting. I mean, it's a little different. You know what kind of guns we're talking about. You know, what they used to call it, the Saturday Night Special, the 9mm Glock, one in a strap. Yeah, look at this idiot. So this idiot says, killing our way through the SEC in 2023. Now, he got booted, but he's allowed to come back as long as he doesn't wear this shirt. How stupid do you have to be? How insensitive do you have to be? And this idiot Alabama fan uh, told reporters, get the away from me, which I'm not mad about. But how dumb do you have to be insensitive, jackassery, knows no floor? It just doesn't. Stupid knows no floor. It doesn't. There is no floor that stupid knows. Uh, the Second Amendment says no, Dent. Yeah, well, uh, I said yes. I said no. I said you ain't having guns on my team. You don't like it? Go play somewhere. It's a violation. My Second Amendment rights, good. Go Second Amendment over there. We ain't having guns on our team. You don't like it? You don't like it. Your parents got guns. You want to get a gun? Great. Uh, take it over to your folks' house. Lock it up. Whatever. But I don't want to hear it. Nah, I don't want to hear it. Nope. Not even a little bit I don't want to hear it. Second Amendment, man. Dan, is Nate Oates supposed to perform searches of all players daily? If he needs to, Yes. Absolutely. No guns on my team. None. Zero. You got a shotgun? Great. I understand. Hunting? Great. No guns. You don't like it? Tough. Doesn't matter to me. Does not matter. We ain't having guns. Period. All right. So, Alabama, there you go. We're the murderer or a guy up for capital murder, another guy there, and another guy that brought the gun. The SEC is going to hire a guy that just strangled his girlfriend. Now, you can say he didn't, and I like Chris Beard. I sent him a text the other day. Uh, I like Chris Beard a lot, and I know he and his girlfriend have a loving relationship and blah, 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 but this is a coach. This is a leader of dudes. This is a guy that's going to sit up there 
and tell us how we're supposed to go about the business of being in business. Uh, strangled his girlfriend. Read the police report. If you think the police report is wrong, then God bless you. Well, you know, she didn't press charges. I don't care whether she pressed charges. I'd be a bad athletic director. Because guys would have to go to class, which I made Indiana players do. Stop doing drugs, which I made Indiana players do. And I caught all kind of hell because we went three and four, but I don't care. It's amazing to me what people will tolerate. You know what I mean? It's amazing. Honest to God. Honest to God, it, it's stunning to me. Well, you know, all right, okay. Uh, look, at the end of the day, here's what you need to do. You need to raise the bar for everybody involved in college basketball. Everybody involved in college football. Everybody involved everywhere. That's what you need to do. You just need to raise the bar. We keep lowering the bar on academics. We keep lowering the bar on admissions. We keep lowering the bar on every single thing that we do. And guess what? People will reach that bar. It was astounding to me that Butler actually had two players academically ineligible. It's impossible. I had one big-time football coach tell me, hey, at our school, you cannot give African-American students lower than a C. I'm like, what if they do F work? Got to give them a C. What? So what? Keep lowering it. But I refuse to. Dan, that was not an accurate depiction of what happened. They have proven did not provide the gun. He was already driving. No, they didn't. No, you're listening to media reports. Stop it. Good, he was driving there. Don't give the guy the gun. It's amazing to me that Alabama fans or SEC fans or Second Amendment fans will defend a guy that transported a gun to a murder site where a woman Lost her life. Now, you can say this. Somebody has asked me this. Why was the woman out with some dude with a gun, her boyfriend, at like 3 in the morning that had a 5-year-old baby? I don't have the answer to that. That's for other people. That's for other people. But the truth of the matter is, I ain't having guns on my team, and if you don't like it, God bless you. But I ain't lowering my standards for nobody. Dane Fife is going to join us. We're going to break down the Midwest Regional, but it is stunning to me. It's absolutely stunning to me that we are, well, hey, dude choked his girlfriend. Read the police report. Next thing you know, he is going to be the head coach of an SEC team. What? Dude got fired for cheating at LSU, dude sued his school, got the athletic director fired, Will Wade, and now he's going to be a head coach at McNeese State. All right. Dan, there's no proof that he actually gave him the gun. Stop it. Not a chance, Colin. I know how these things work. I'm not coming down to your level. Look, you got to understand something about me. I get it. Fanboys are just getting into this. I get it. Fanboys are just... I've been in this for 37 years. I, actually, 40. 42 years. I don't want to hear it. I got into this in the fall of 1981. Now, I'm no mathematician, but that's a long time. 
41 years I've been in this. So those of you that are little guy that are arguing with me, good for you. You're just getting into what college athletics is about. I've lived this for 41 years. And there ain't no chance I'm listening to some guy on a message board or some guy in the media tell me what's what. I know exactly what's what. Well, there's no proof, man. Good for you. I'm just telling you what's what. 1,000% what's what. Bob Knight, you're right, Van Passman. Bob Knight got fired for grabbing a kid's arm. These dudes are choking their wives, girlfriends. These dudes are cheating like crazy people. That's awesome. Unbelievable. You'll see. It does not matter even a little bit. Man. Bump, bump. We'll talk to Dane Fife. I already told you, Purdue got screwed. They got screwed. Don't even at me. Purdue got big time screwed. They got Duke. Sweet 16, guess what? Duke's the ACC champ, won nine in a row. Don't tell me Duke's a five seed. You know, the guy running the, uh, the selection committee is a kid named Chris Reynolds. I coached him at Indiana. Really smart guy, really nice guy. Knows zero about basketball. Even as a player, knew nothing. Tough as heck, guard, went to law school, great dude, could not know less about basketball. I'm, I mean, I, I love him. Well, he don't know nothing. Like, he was one of the rare guys that came in, played so hard, couldn't shoot, but it didn't matter. And he ends up, Chris Reynolds does, as a lawyer, and he ends up as the head of the selection committee, and he's the greatest dude, best guy ever. But he don't know nothing about basketball. Maybe you don't need to know nothing about basketball. Maybe you don't need to. I don't have any idea. Dan, the right to self-defense is in the U.S. Constitution. Good. Great. Not on my team. Don't put yourself in those positions. Learn how to box. I mean, nobody's changing my mind on this. As a college coach, you're going to do three things if you play for me. You're going to play really hard. You're going to show up on time. And you're going to respect others. That's it. They ain't bringing guns around. What are you, nuts? What are you, insane? Man. The, the Second Amendment doesn't allow me to take my gun into local school. That's right. That's right. Sometimes you got to protect players from themselves. There's not a chance in holy hell I'm bringing the gun. All right. Uh, I do have my bracket. I am going to tell you in the Midwest Regional where Houston, an injured Houston, they lost their best player, Marcus Sasser. They, ladies and gentlemen, are in trouble. They, ladies and gentlemen, may lose in the second round. They'll beat Northern Kentucky, although Northern Kentucky will give them a game. Remember this. Kent State played Houston to a five-point game. With a minute and a half to go, Kent State ripped the three to tie the game up. This is when Houston was still number one. Northern Kentucky with Darren Horn is a really good basketball team out of the horizon. Yes, they're a 16 seed, but they'll discipline stuff. They'll hang on to the ball. They'll slow the thing down. Houston will win the game by double digits eventually. But in the second round, Iowa or Auburn. Woo! That's a heck of a game. Now, that's a heck of a game. So we'll see what's going to happen. But it is going to be fascinating because Houston, Indiana, Drake, 
Miami made a magical run last year in the Midwest Regional. Oh, man. Penn State's in there. Xavier's in there. Man, Cody Jones is good, by the way. All right, we're going to talk to Dane Fife, and we're going to break down the Midwest Regional. We're going to talk specifically, and we'll go a little memory lane. Dane, in 2002, in this Elite Eight, I want you to think about this, in the Elite Eight, beat who? Kent State. It's a bit of a rivalry, Indiana and Kent State. 2001, Kent beat Indiana. 2002, Elite Eight. Indiana beat Kent, but they did it by hitting 15 threes. Kent was good. We couldn't beat him. We were 24-6, and six, my Bowling Green team. Lost three times to Kent. Ended up in the NIT. They shipped us out to, uh, I think we had to go to Butler. That was fun. We were like number 65 and 66, and we had to play each other on one day at Butler in front of a packed house. What's going on here? Should have stayed at West Virginia. Anyway, all right, we'll be right back with the Great Dane fight. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. All right, 2001, Indiana lost to Kent State in the NCAA tournament. 2002, magical run. Dane Fife, Jeff Newton, Jared Jeffries, Tommy Coverdale, George Leach, I can go on and on, got to the championship game. And if Tommy Coverdale hadn't injured his ankle, Indiana would have a sixth national championship. But you know what? In Indiana lore, Scott May didn't get hurt. If Randy Whitman in 80 didn't get hurt. If uh, Landon Turner did. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, Indiana would have like 12 national championships. Uh, if I didn't turn the ball over in 84, that's a bunch of stuff. Dane Fife, who uh, participated and was a star with five threes in the game against Kent, joins me now. When you saw Indiana Kent, what was your immediate thought? Did you have flashbacks? I really did. I thought, uh, I'm not echoing in my coach. How do I sound? I sound all right? No, you're good. No, you're good. Okay, sorry to interrupt you here. Uh you know, I, I did. I, I thought, gosh, another chance. And then my brother Dugan texts me and Indiana Kent, skate, Kent State, how cute. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was really interesting um, that that the committee matches them up together again. I, you got to think these these teams, they, they create, they, they do this to create some drama. What do you think? Absolutely not. Who cares? Like, does anybody, who, what drama? I went through the Indiana select or the uh, NCAA. I went through the NCAA selection. They brought a bunch of me- they bring a bunch of media guys in, and you go through the day, and then you fill out the bracket. By the end of the day, the bracket is filled out, and then they say, "Okay, let's go through it. What what things are in there? Like Patino against his old team. And you don't even know you're doing it. Nobody cares about Kent State, Indiana from 20 years ago. What's wrong with you?" But I yeah, will say this, if, in, if, if Indiana fans want to get under sender off skin, just start chanting Bud Mackey. Do you remember the story of Bud <laughs> Mackey? <laughs> Vaguely. <laughs> but, hey, when I was there in 08, Senderoff was cheating his brains out, got a guy named Bud Mackey from Kentucky to come to Indiana. Samson was all excited. Samson uh, was out of town, 
And about, I don't know, October, we get the news that Bud Mackey had committed multiple robberies, uh, cocaine and everything else. Senderoff's in my office, literally, and I'm being literal here, bawling like a baby. I didn't care. I'm like, yeah, you'd be all right. And I went home and just kind of laughed. So chant Bud Mackey, Indiana fans, if you want to get under Senderoff's skin. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. When you saw it, let's go through the Midwest region. You ready? I'm in. All right. Houston, uh, Northern Kentucky. I don't know. You know, the Horizon League, Darren Horn. What do you think? Is this a route? Is this a 30-point game? Yeah, I think it's a route. Are they Are they going to get Sasser? I mean, what's Sasser's status? Where are we at with that? What? Right now he's out until further notice. Yeah. I've been told. Doesn't mean yeah. he is out. It's just right yeah. now he's out. I read a thing that said, "Hey, look, we'll update you during the week." Yeah, I, I like Houston. I think the, the, the what's intriguing is the matchup just below, and I know you want to set us up for that the the Iowa Auburn matchup, but I really think that matchup is going to be one of the fun ones of the group. Which one? Well. Oh, I'm sorry. I think I think uh, I think the Houston. Let's just go ahead. I think Auburn beats Iowa, so I think that Houston Auburn matchup. Do you really? I, I think. Let, Al- let, yeah, let, I- let me go. Let me go back to something. Iowa can score, and I, I'm starting to think, man, it's why the Pac-12 does well. I start to think, you know, you got to be able to. If you're scoring the 50s, you and me and Dylan and Ryan, we can get to 50. But if you can get to the high 70s and 80s, you're hard to beat. Iowa can't. I think that sets up to be a hell of a game. Coach, Iowa can score every single year. Nah. And what, yeah. what I'd like to see is Iowa score in the tournament because they've struggled year in and year out. And I think where Auburn – they find ways to score in the tournament. But the thing about this year's Auburn team that I see is that they defend pretty well. They're going to get in your stuff. And my issue with Iowa is what Iowa are you going to get? And I'm not – I just think that throughout the Big Ten year, it's always been what Iowa are you going to get this this game? Are you going to get the Iowa that, you know, gets down 30, comes all the way back? Are you going to get – are you – you know, at home beats Indiana, beats Michigan State, or are you going to get the Iowa that goes to Rutgers and trounces them in the middle of the year? So that's why I think Auburn's going to beat Iowa. And that's the intriguing matchup I was talking about. That Houston-Auburn game is going to be really interesting because Bruce Pearl is going to have those guys hyped up. And then I, I don't think Samson needs to hype up his Cougars. They're just coming, to, coming for a fist fight at, at, at all points. You know, one of the interesting things about Houston is getting to go back, obviously, and play in Houston. So they that's the carrot that's out there. I don't disagree with you at all about Auburn. I, I think it comes down, don't you, to a matter of trust. Like, I don't trust Iowa. I haven't trusted Iowa. Right. True story, I haven't trusted Iowa since uh, 1989 when we thought we were going to play them. And uh, they got cr- – 1987, and they were up 26 against UNLV and got beat. I don't trust Iowa. Never have, never will. Well, I don't either. And like you said, so Iowa can score, but can they score when the heat's on? Can they score against an Auburn team that's, that can speed up the game and they can also check it? 
You know, the Auburn per- Coast Pearl, Bruce Pearl's going to have those cats fired up to get into Iowa's stuff. And can Iowa handle that heat? I think the McCaffrey boys and I think Murray, they can handle all that. But are they going to step up? Do they understand what's at stake? Do they understand that um, th- they have the ability to win? Do they understand that they got to put it all together? They got to come ready to go. They got to compete and they got to guard. That's one thing that, that to me, I was really struggled with. They just don't guard. And to say they never have probably isn't fair, but they've really struggled to guard. They struggled to guard um, for a long, long time. And I'm talking years. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, Miami and Drake, I'm going to set this up for me. Drake, I love Drake, man. I, I got to tell you, they are old. Two 25-year-olds, two 24-year-olds. Uh, this kid, Tucker DeFreeze, is a first-round pick, everybody tells me. They got their all-time leading assist guy. This is an old team, man. I, I know Miami made a run last year. Larinaga's got a nice team, but damn, Drake's a nice basketball team, uh, Dane. Yeah, they're they're older than than maybe your your you and your group of guys that get together to play golf or eat lunch. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, they are. They're older than us. They would pick up the check too. They make more money. Yeah, I think some of their players are balding faster than you did. <laughs> I didn't even. What do you think of that game? <laughs> Time to move on. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, from from stupid stuff. What what what? Uh, I don't think what, it's what do you stupid. Think of that game. Well, I'll tell you what, I like Drake because um, I think Miami, uh, I don't think they're playing uh, at their best. I think that they're, they're, they're knocked down a little bit and you know, it's the time of year. Uh, You can be, you can, you can be up, you can down Miami zeros down. And I just, I'd like to, I don't want to rehash what you said about Drake. I think they're experienced. I think they're connected. I think DeVries is one of the best players probably in the tournament or, or the, the country will find out that DeVries is one of the best players in the tournament. Um, and I think that um, – I just think Miami's arrows pointing down. They're a good defensive team. Miami doesn't score it well enough. And I think uh, Drake just all around is a pretty dang good basketball team. Have you seen enough of Kent? I mean, what do you think? Can, can they beat Indiana? They can beat Indiana because they've got really good defensive guards. They're small, but they're good defensive guards. If they'll commit to playing defense, which they basically have all year, uh, I think Kent State can can beat Indiana. Uh, the question is, is how do they, how do they stop um, how do they stop uh, Trace Jackson Davis? They've got size. They're not great. They're not great athletes. But what they are is they're mobile. And they're versatile. Uh, they're fairly they're fairly big. And and keep in mind, this is a, this is a Kent State team that lost to Gonzaga. They they were right in the game down the stretch. Drew Timmy, though, keep in mind too that Drew Timmy, uh, he had twenty nine and seventeen, and w- that speaks to the damage that size can do to Kent State. They're out rebounded by eleven. Another team, and I, and what I looked at is I looked at the high major matchups that that Kent State went up against. They played, they lost to Houston. They gave up forty nine points to Houston. Conversely, they, they scored forty four. So it's not a team that can score. 
um, that can put up big numbers is Kent State. Uh, and another thing, Kent State was out-rebounded by 17 against Houston. So their bigs are going to be their issue, I think, and it's going to be whether they can they can match up with Indiana's um, uh, experience and size up front. You know, it is interesting because when you have small guards, double teaming from the guard doesn't really affect Jackson Davis, right? I mean, he's clever enough. It would help Indiana if Race Thompson uh, played a little bit and played well in the last six, seven minutes of games, would it not? I think so. I think think in years past, at least last year, Race got tired. Uh, Race, um, you know, his back is banged up. Uh, He's got... He's got some knees and some feet that are sore. He's not unhealthy. He just he's banged up. Um, this is a guy that doesn't. Race Thompson doesn't take a day off. You know, he's practices every day. He's focused. Um, he's looked on to really be one of the major leaders on the team. He's mature. He's a great dude. But you're right. Uh, when when Indiana was playing well, at least last year before I was uh, at last year when I was coaching with Indiana. <laughs> Uh, race Thompson, race Thompson. Hey, enough about the stupid stuff. Race Thompson was, uh, was a key component to our success. Uh, when race plays well, much like, you know, trace and, and hood Shafino, when race is playing well, uh, Indiana's at their best. And that's, that seems like an obvious statement, but, um, you'd be surprised at the difference. No, I get you. And, and uh, see, I want you on here to break this down because you're really smart. You try to hide it, which I like and I respect, but you're really smart. Uh, Xavier, I fell in love with uh, late. Kobe Jones is unbelievable. Uh, Iowa State has been rolling people. I mean, they went into Baylor and beat the crap out of them. Uh, maybe both lose. I don't know. Uh, what are you thinking those two? I'm trying to speed it along just a little bit because I want to yeah. get your pick in the region. Well, I think I think Mississippi State in this one because I, I, Mississippi State over Iowa State, Mississippi State over uh, – who is that? Uh, who are they playing the play in there? Uh, Pittsburgh. They're playing – I got it. Yeah, Pitt. They pl- wow. And the, and the reason I think – well, the reason I think Mississippi State because Mississippi State's undisciplined. Um, and I think that discipline will beat them. And I'm not sure that Iowa State or Pitt have the discipline. It's not to say that Iowa, Iowa State and Pitt are undisciplined. I just don't think they have the, the experience uh, in terms of connection, being connected um, to beat the Mississippi State. So Mississippi State, until they run into Xavier, uh, I think Mississippi State um, – plays themselves into the game against Xavier where they'll ultimately get beat because I agree with you. Xavier's a man down, but I think Xavier has the toughness and they've got the scoring power to beat a Mississippi State. Yeah, Fremantle being down hurts, but man, did you recruit Jack Nungy ever? How about that dude? No, I didn't. I mean, he's another guy that's just a little bit older than you are and um, I... (laughs) And and you know what he's done, guy looks like he's, so when Jack Nungy started at Iowa, is that even where he started at? I know he played at Iowa against Michigan State. Yeah, I think he was probably he looked about six seven, and I think he's about one hundred and fifteen pounds. Now he's seven foot <laughs> yes. what two fifty? He's 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 your size. He's well at least he's he's your girth. 
Uh, he might not be your heart, but he's he's he's. A, you remember the guy Kenny Freeze that played at Xavier a few years back? Yeah. You know, got his face. Th- that's what he looks like now, and um, I think he's he's gotten in really good shape, and he's going to be a force in this tournament, I believe, until of course they reach Texas, and uh, and I by Ooh, Texas like I mean Texas. the Longhorns. Oh. You don't like you you like them over Penn State. You think Penn State advances over A and M? Where are you at with that that little area there, that little quad? Well, the Aggies are hot, man. Seems like they're hot since the third or fourth game in the season. They've got Julius Marble, a former Michigan State Spartan, and Julius has been keeping me abreast of the Aggies, the Texas A and M Aggies. And I just I, I haven't watched the Aggies a ton other than watching Julius personally play, and but, but I, I I can just I, I can see that the the Aggies are hot and Penn State is so three point reliant. Uh, when you get into the tournament, unless you're the 2002 Indiana Hoosiers, it's hard to get hot from on the road, even or in a neutral site from the from the three point line, and um, you know you combine that with. Um, I think Texas A&M is a pretty good, pretty physical team, and they're going to bring it. I think the Texas A&M-Texas game is going to be a heck of a game, and, I, and I've got the Longhorns beating Colgate with, in, with ease. Uh, Texas is going. They're going far, man. Texas is going to be hard to beat in this. What they did to Kansas, and I'm not, I don't care if Bill Self was there or not, what they did to Kansas yesterday was impressive. Now i got to go back and watch that game. Or not yesterday. I think it was Saturday. Um, but what they did to Kansas was impressive. And I got to go back and watch that game and see what was done. But I, I'm a big Texas fan right now. I, I think most of us are, but I got them losing to Penn State. I think Penn State's guards and the way they play is so unique. All right, oh, you're- the great Andrew Dockage, the great Andrew Dockage said this, Dane. He said, Dad, if you really study it, Alabama's great. The rest of the SEC stinks. Do you agree with that? I think the great Andrew Andrew Dockage has just been downgraded to, to semi. <laughs> He's semi-great. He's yeah. quasi-great. Um, yeah. I Look, I watched Kentucky early. Um, I, I think – you know, once you talk, once you get down to like a Vanderbilt or something, yes. But I like Texas A&M a lot, and I like Kentucky. So we could just start there. I am concerned about Tennessee. Tennessee's been too up and down for me, and they lost their point guard. Uh, so Tennessee, um, sorry, Knoxville. I think Tennessee is probably the team right now that that is uh, – they're, they're like Andrew Dockage. They're quasi-great. They have the ability well, I mean, to be great. They've been, they've shown greatness. <laughs> they've been great before, but and, Andrew Dockich is a lot like Tennessee. It's a great analogy. All right, let's get oh, as we move through. I got a couple things. Um, does Indiana eventually play Houston, or, or do they lose before? How far does Indiana go? How far does Houston go up or on that side of it? I've got the Hoosiers going uh, up against uh, the Houston Cougars. I've got them beating the Hoosiers, Houston Cougars. I've got them in a matchup against the Texas Longhorns. And the Texas Longhorns will to be continued. No, the Texas Longhorns, oh! I, I've got the 
I've got the Longhorns beating the Hoosiers in the round of eight. And the, uh, but I, I will say this I, I think Indiana has national championship talent. I've said that all year. I love Trace Jackson Davis. Jalen Hood Shafino is no surprise to me. The kid can absolutely play. Uh, Race Thompson, Miller Cops playing at an elite level on the defensive end. And when he's able to get shots, he makes them. Um, I'd love to see Trey Galloway step up a little bit more. What does that mean? I'd just like to see him be even more active than he is, you know, show some leadership on the court, show some personality. He's got a great personality. Um, I like the way Malik Renew's playing. Indiana can surprise some people and make it all the way based on their talent and experience um, up front. Um, bottom part of it, you know, you like Texas to come all the way through. Do you see them playing Xavier? Does Xavier get to a Sweet 16? I do. I see Texas playing Xavier. I think uh, this Xavier team minus Fremantle is still good enough to beat Mississippi State and, and of course, to, uh, to, to beat uh, Kennesaw State. But uh, I do see a Xavier-Texas Sweet 16 matchup. I just think the Longhorns have too much firepower. They got too many dudes, man. My gosh. They got too many dudes. Who comes out? Who's the, who is in the Final Four from the Midwest region, according to the great, not quasi-great, Go ahead and watch the 2002 <laughs> video that's on the uh, that's on my Twitter that I saw from an NIL store or something. Go watch it. I'm talking about great. You're seeing him hit threes, but he was a defensive player of the year in the league. That's Michael Jordan-esque. Anyway, who comes out? Yeah, who comes out of this region into the finale four? Absolutely, your Texas Longhorns. They're going to be partying in Austin. I mean, wow. this this I, they're they're just playing well right now. They're playing well. I think their toughest matchup will be against probably the Texas A and M Aggies in the round of thirty two, which you hate to hear because you think it's going to be Penn State. Hey, look, tis the season. Everybody's got their opinion. I'm going to go back to something. I was broadcasting a Minnesota game. You were at Michigan State. I don't know. Maybe you were playing them. And I said on the air, you know, Marcus Carr is one of those guys that's interesting. He's good enough to win you games, and he's good enough to get you fired, too. Rick Patino, Rick Sr., not Jr., sent me a text. He said, man, is that right? That's a perfect analogy. Marcus Carr is now in his 26th year of college basketball at Texas Kind of become a guy, hasn't he? He's a real guy now, is he not? Yeah, I think Marcus Carr was subjected to a little Chris Beard coaching. And that style, I think, woke uh, Marcus Carr up a little bit. The guy I like is, is Timmy Allen. And, uh, you know, he's yeah. another guy. Came from Utah. Uh, hey, look, there's a there, we always had a rule at Michigan State, I'm sure you had it, uh, that it takes transfers half the year, with, without question, half the year. You know, that's usually mid-January, um, early February, where they start playing well. And that's what Texas full of is, is, is transfers. So it's taken them um, that long to, to put things together. And I know 
they got a couple guys with some experience, you know, being at Texas for, for a couple years, for two years or, or more. But um, I just, I think Texas is playing at a high, high level. They've got size, they've got athleticism, they've got experience. They've got firepower. I and mean, Marcus Carr can score in bunches. No. Last thing, who's your national champ? Man, I, I'm I'm going with coach uh, interim coach Rodney Terry and the Texas Longhorns. Wow, is that like an homage to your brother and uh, the Michigan folks of Steve Fisher? Is that like an homage to to Steve Fisher and your Michigan roots? An interim coach takes over and wins a national championship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's homage to him. It's homage to uh, Mike Davis that takes over. It almost does it. Uh, I look originally yeah. it was Kansas coach. Originally I had Kansas winning that championship, but after what I seen with Texas, that uh, doesn't mean you count Bill Self out because Bill Self, I learned, can flat out coach and run a program. But uh, I just think the Longhorns are, are are just playing at a level that nobody can touch right now. Man, this is the most I've ever talked Texas basketball in my life. I know. It doesn't feel good. It feels it feels like we're supposed to be talking about whether Eli Manning's son, Arch, wins the starting quarterback job. And by the way, yeah. uh, speaking of starting quarterbacks, go to Dane Fife's Twitter, at Dane Fife, mm. and you're going to see a, a high school quarterback. you got to scroll down a little bit because he tweets – but you're going to see a drop back, kind of Dan Marino, quick release kind of. I oh, mean, dime! You were you were so dumb. You'd be you'd be right now. It would be the Mount Rushmore: Peyton Manning, Brady, you, and the name a fifth. But you got sucked in by Robert Montgomery Knight. Well, what are you going to do? There's a story about that, Coach. I'll have to tell you one of these days. I can tell you. I can tell you now uh, if you got the time. Go ahead. What, tell the story of why you played. Why you're not in the NFL and you played basketball in Indiana. Well, Coach Knight, when I committed to Indiana, Coach Knight came to the school and and uh, I said, Coach, now here's the thing. Uh, I'd like to sign in the spring instead of the fall because if you signed in the fall, you couldn't play football the following year in, in college. So he had to sign in the spring and, and he uh, rolled his pant leg up, said, and my dad was in there and my dad's name's Danny said, and my dad's the athletic director. He says, Dan, give me that chair. So my dad's sitting, gets up, gives him his chair. And uh, he puts his, he puts his foot with his pant leg rolled up, showing his calf. Uh, he said, you see this leg? This is a leg of a football player. I'm like, it looks more like a cankle. Uh, <laughs> I said, uh, he goes, Look, bottom line, if you come to Indiana, you're coming to play basketball. Don't even think about coming and playing football. You're a basketball player. That's what you're coming to do. And I looked at my dad and I said, okay, that sounds good, coach. I'll be signing in the fall. <laughs> so, true story. I'm at my buddy Kevin Custer's house. I call you on the phone. Uh, and we're just talking. I'm trying to recruit you, whatever. I get off the phone. And I call Coach Knight, and I say, yeah, conversation with Dane went really well. I can't remember if I talked to your dad or whatever. He goes, did you tell him he's too small to play football? I said, Coach, he's six foot five, 
200 pounds. What do you mean too small? He's like a prototype. No, no, no. You haven't seen those football guys. You don't pay attention. Those football guys that are quarterbacks are huge. I'm like, coach, let's go through it. If you'd li- I can't light it. No, you tell him. You call him back. He's too small. Blah, 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 blah. I'm all right, whatever, man. And then I'm like, is yeah, the, I got to go to Bowling Green. I got to get, I got to get I was going to say, here. that's the day you quit. That's the day you left and went to Bowling Green. <laughs> I get it. It had to be. It, it, I'm going to tell a guy, a high school quarterback that's six foot five. What'd you weigh? 200, 190, something like that? Probably about 190. A lot of, a lot of baby fat, though. Yeah, yeah probably 190, 195. Yeah, but you, you weren't, you weren't a slight kid. You were, you know, no. you weren't fat, but you, yeah. and he's sitting no. there telling oh. me that he, oh, he's not a quarterback. He's not a, he's not big yeah. enough. I'm like, hey, coach, <laughs> I'll lie to kids if you want. Like, I'll lie. What do you want me to tell? <laughs> coach Knight lied to me. Knight lied to me in my recruiting. And I, I'm like, hey, I'll lie. But I, that's obvious. You're, you know, come on. Let's, mm-hmm. let's move it around. <laughs> All right, too much Texas love, not enough Indiana love. I can see Twitter already. Uh, thanks, my friend. Have a great trip with your family. Thanks, Coach. That's the great Dane Fife. I love talking to him, man. He's the best. He's awesome. And in 2002, hey, look, they beat a team in Kent's greatest MAC team in the history of the Mid-American Conference. They had to hit 15 threes in Rupp Arena. Dane hit five. Coverdale was hitting them. It was great. It's the only time I ever rooted against Indiana. I wanted a team from the MAC to be a national champion. I did. I wanted a team from the MAC to get to the Final Four to show everybody what I had been talking about, which is the MAC was as good a league back then as the Big Ten, and in fact had more pros in the NBA after that year than the Big Ten had. Stock up, stock down. Purdue fans, it includes Matt Painter. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back. That was a great time with Dane Fife. We're going to break down the NCAA tournament region by region every day, the Midwest region. I actually have Indiana going to the national championship final four. I got them beating Houston. Uh, going backwards, I've got them beating Drake. I think Drake is going to win uh, their first-round game against Miami, and I've got them beating Kent State. I do think both of those games, Kent and Drake, going to be tough games for Indiana. If it's Miami, that's going to be a tough game, too. I've got Penn State losing to Xavier, Penn State beating Texas A&M. I've got Xavier losing to Indiana in a rematch of a game earlier at the Cintas Center. So in the, in the Midwest region, I've got Indiana Going to the Final Four. I didn't like what I saw out of Houston. I like what I saw in Indiana, to tell you the truth. You got some teams there that are not playing great. We'll get into every region, and I cannot wait. Uh, I need to know, should we make March, excuse me, should we make April Middle-Aged Man Month? Middle-Aged Man History Month? We celebrate all middle-aged men, black, white, uh, Mexican, Hispanic, Serbians, Polish. I think we make April Middle-Aged Man Month. Yeah, I just keep seeing everybody's got a month. What about us middle-aged dudes? I think we should have a month. All right, stock up. Stock down. It's one of my favorite segments. Takes me forever to figure it out. All right, stock up, Matt Painter. 
Look, Matt Painter just won the Big Ten title, just won the Big Ten uh, tournament championship, starting two freshman guards. Now, I want you to think about this. Now, I go back to 1973. Bob Knight took Indiana to a national championship, or excuse me, to a Final Four, starting Quinn Buckner and Jim Cruz at guards, both were freshmen. You don't see it very often. The Fab Five started a bunch of freshmen. Different people have. College basketball is different now. But he basically lost a lottery pick. What was Jaden Ivey? Top five pick in the draft. A monumentally good shooter in Sasha Stefanovic. And Travion Williams, his post guy, his starting post guy. He lost those three guys. And what does he do? Well, he starts Zach Eady. He starts Ethan Morton, he starts sometimes Brandon Newman. He starts different guys that hadn't hardly played. And then he brings in two freshman point guards and a transfer in David Jenkins. And next thing you know, they win the Big Ten. They win the Big Ten tournament. Now, it is incumbent on Matt to get a little bit of a run in the NCAA tournament. He's got a number one seed. They'll at least get out of the first round. Second round game, you know, let me see here. It ain't going to be easy. Second round game shouldn't be easy. It could be Memphis, and you're talking about the AAC champ. I already said Purdue gets Purdue again, but the bottom line is simply this. Matt Painter has set the culture along with Izzo as the best in the Big Ten. It used to be Izzo, then others. Now it is those two guys. Their culture is great, but of course, fans are going to say that Matt needs to go ahead and win uh, in the tournament, and of course he does. Everybody knows that. But I got to tell you, a massive stock up and congratulations. Now, the trainer at Purdue, Chad Young, is a very good friend of mine. He called me last week and he said, Coach, I just got to tell you, this is the greatest group of kids ever. We got a couple kids on the team that are actually virgins. We got one kid on the team that won't shower. But they're the greatest kids ever. Uh, the SID at Purdue, Chris Foreman, texted me this morning and he said the same thing. So congrats on setting a great culture. Congrats on an unbelievable year, Matt Painter and his entire staff, which includes Brandon Brantley, a kid from my high school, Andrean, who used to come to my basketball camp at our high school when he was a little kid. Loved that kid. He and a kid named Chris Artis would come together. Chris is now an assistant uh, for another camper, Carson Cunningham, out at Immaculate Word. All things run through this guy. All right, next, Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler made my afternoon boring. I got kind of bored with basketball. I'm like, man, I love watching the players. So I'm watching hoops. I'm, I'm working. I'm doing all this stuff. I finally sit down with a bag of Jay's barbecued potato chips. Don't at me. The best chip ever. Anyway, here's the deal. I got myself three cans of A&W Zero Sugar, a frosted mug, and my bag of Jay's. And I'm ready for an afternoon. Lee's out of town watching her daughter. I'm ready. I'm watching basketball. Purdue's up. I'm bored with the AAC. And next thing you know, I turned it on. He's got a six-stroke lead. But congratulations. Scotty Scheffler's the best golfer in the world. He's moved to number one. He makes it look easy. He's, he, I don't know, in an era where golfers have lifted weights and people want to follow Tiger Woods, and they should, I got to tell you, this dude just looks like, I don't know, your accountant. He looks like the guy that wins your club championship. Look at him. He doesn't look like some jacked up. Roy McElroy's all jacked up. John Rahm looks like Jack Nicholas, heavy through the trunk. He just looks this guy like a guy. 
And if you've watched that full swing, this is the nicest guy in America with the nicest wife. He's a faith-based guy. It's fantastic to watch. I love it. I love every minute of it. So congrats to Scotty Scheffler on a win and moving into the number one spot in the freaking world. You know how many good golfers are? You know what this is about? This is unbelievable, but good for him. All right, my friend and contributor to the show, the great Fran Frischella, got jobbed. Dickie Vitale, who's another friend. See, one of the reasons I left ESPN was because things like what happened to Fran. Fran Frischella has been the Big 12 guy. And all of a sudden, Vitale says, hey, I want to do the championship game. ESPN enables him. And Frischella is out. He's got to go work for Westwood One. But Fran Frischella, through the Naismith Hall of Fame, got a heck of an award, the Guardian of the Game Award. And he's so well-liked. Here are the Big 12 coaches doing a tribute to our friend, Fran Frischella. Fran. Congratulations. Guardians of the Game. Certainly you have, especially Guardian of the Big 12. It is impossible to think of the Big 12 and not think of Fran Fischella. When I think about Big 12 basketball, you're the voice. We can't thank you enough for all that you do for the Big 12. Thank you for being such an ambassador for the Big 12. Congratulations, Franny, on getting the NABC award. But I just want to thank you for the job you've done promoting our league. No one more deserving as a true guardian of the game than you, Mr. Fischella. There you go, man. See, that's pretty nice. Now, when I broadcast, I don't really care if the coaches like me, but it would be nice. But Fran Frischella has been the Big 12 guy. He's been the voice of the Big 12. You know, the uh, ESPN had a chance, uh, whatever. But Fran Frischella, he got an award from the NABC, Guardian of the Game. And I love to see it because, look, middle-aged white dude, it's kind of hard to win any kind of award nowadays, right? I'm not complaining. I'm just giving you facts. But good for the NABC picking out the absolute right guy because Fran Fraschella, who is now, by the way, the national three-on-three Olympic coach, Fran Fraschella, congratulations. We love you. We love when you come on. I love chatting with you. I was rude to you one time in an airport, but I was hustling, and I called you and apologized because I just had to go. And I still feel bad about that, even though I did apologize. But, Franny, you are freaking awesome. All right. Joel Embiid, ladies and gentlemen, the big racist, you know who the big racist is. We know who the big racist, Kendrick Perkins, has been spouting Joel Embiid. No, he's not. He's just spouting whoever is not white. Well, look at this, look at this board here on what Joel Embiid has done in his last 13 games. Now, I'm not going to bore you with it. Let's just go the last four. 42, 39, 39. 34, and look at the assists there, 10. Now, hey, would it kill you to rebound a little better? But 27 and 19 is in there, 29 and 14. Joel Embiid making a case for the most valuable player. I remember this. See, I can't remember exactly what happened at Kansas. He sat out half the year. He quit. I don't even know. But I do remember Bill Self saying, this is the most talented man I have ever coached. And I'm thinking, wow. Bill Self doesn't just say stuff, right? Bill Self is like guarded. Bill Self demands. Bill Self is always pushing up, 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 up. Well, Bill Self saying that Joel Embiid's the best big or the best player that he's ever coached shocked me at the time, but he was right. 
I didn't know enough about Embiid, and I've always been fascinated with him because of that comment by Self. I thought it was an interesting comment. It is, it was, and it turned out to be 1,000% correct. Like, people are just crazy now. Like, Indianapolis, stock down, uh, is a cesspool. You know, back when our, our mayor, Joe Hogsett, was allegedly incoherent during the riots, and he allowed the idiots in Indianapolis to take over the city, to take over downtown in what they stupidly called a peaceful protest as things were burning. Chris Beatty, Mr. Indiana, got murdered. I watched a guy rip off a sign and throw it through the window of Harry and Izzy's. Uh, Whenever we gave the city over to riotous maniacs, uh, we've been downhill since. I used to travel for 14 years every day downtown to do my show, and I saw a once vibrant, energetic city go to hell. Well, I'm going to show you what happens in our city. When you let idiots be idiots, idiots never stop being idiots. Here is a video from the, this is in a courtroom. This is from an actual family court in the city of Indianapolis, Marion County, downtown Indy. Here it is. These idiots are screaming and yelling. These people have decided there's no decorum. We're just going to look at these clowns. Look at that. Boom. Look at this and these clowns. Look at these complete jerks. Look at these undisciplined, insane people just doing what insane. Look at this. Oh, let's throw some. We don't care about other people's property because we're mad. Let's jump over. This is an actual video from Marion County, Indiana. I mean, everybody's a philosopher. Where's the bailiff? You know, at some point, though, you know what? Just lock the room and let them fight. Let idiots fight. I'm sure I'm all kind of an ist for saying that. It don't matter, black or white. This could have been easily a bunch of crazy white people in Indianapolis, so don't even bring that to me, hell. But look at these clowns. Look at this. In a courtroom. Man. But that's our great city, led by Democratic Mayor Joe Hogshead, who got 73% of the vote. A lot of questions, Joe. Where were you? The Indy Star... Uh, because they are so incredibly left-leaning, so incredibly adulterous and ridiculous, they decided we're not even going to ask the mayor where you were. There's no discipline in my city. I love living in the city, but my God, look at this and tell me people haven't completely lost their minds. Stock down, ladies and gentlemen, to NCAA announcers, Big Ten announcers, ACC announcers, uh, are we allowed to criticize women as much as men? But I got to tell you, I heard the worst announcer that I ever heard, two of them. One was a woman, I don't even know her name, uh, and the other was John Feinstein. Uh, The lady was on the USA Network calling Atlantic 10 games. She was so horrific and wouldn't shut up. Like, that's every announcer. Feinstein doesn't know a thing about basketball, and he was doing, I think, the Patriot League or maybe the Atlantic 10. I guess maybe ESPN did him a favor. They like him, whatever. But that's two of the worst announcers. But they're not the worst. The worst was a combination that decided they were never going to shut up. 
never going to shut up during the Yale-Princeton uh, Ivy League championship game. One was a guy named Dallin Cuff. Now, Dallin Cuff is the poster child for ESPN, right? He's an Ivy League guy. He's kind of a mixed-race guy. And that all matters at ESPN. He can do play-by-play, they tell me. He can do soccer. He's the perfect millennial. He wouldn't shut up. And I don't even know who his partner was. It was the worst broadcast I'd ever heard. Big Ten Network. I know everybody loves humbling. Shut up once in a while, all of you. If I ever go back into broadcasting, I'll tell you the one thing I'm going to do. Shut up. And can somebody please tell me what Clark Kellogg adds to a broadcast? At least Seth Davis uh, tries to give you some historical perspective. But Clark has never had a independent thought in his entire broadcast career. I think I said this the other day. Kellogg got booted off CBS from doing the games when he worked with Steve Kerr and Turner realized, wait a second, Clark Kellogg doesn't know anything about basketball. All he says is, that's right, Steve. So they put him in with Charles and Kenny where he actually said at a dinner that I went to and he was a speaker that he's, you know, I'm the traffic cop. No, they put you in there to just keep you around. You had nothing, zero. But more than that, can you just shut up? Fran Frischella and Seth Greenberg are great. Why? Because they don't talk. Big Ten Network. God dang. I'm watching Big Ten games all year. It's all these ex-players that really don't tell you anything. Nothing. There isn't one guy in the Big Ten Network or ESPN that's an ex-player that tells you anything other than the obvious. And then Raftery, I love Bill. I talked to him Christmas Eve or whatever. How I worked with him, it's exhausting. Because you got to giggle at every little thing. And Grant Hill just doesn't know. I mean, Grant Hill just doesn't know the players. There's no, Turner likes them. I guess they feel comfortable. But my God, is that horrible. In fact, I text a friend of mine who was a longtime producer at CBS. He's now with Fox. And I'm like, is this the worst? He goes, Dan, it's horrible. He goes, but somehow, some way... Uh, This is what Turner wants. Well, good for them. But damn, I'm telling you, college basketball doesn't need me because I would be unique. I would tell you stuff. You'd get mad. I'd actually have an opinion, and you all would lose your mind, and I get it. That's fine. But man, the talking. Shut up, all of you. All of you. Shut up. Uh, North Carolina basketball, you suck. Look, here's the deal. You, you turned down an NIT bid because we're working on next year. Let's be honest. You're beyond the NIT. That's how you feel, and good for you. If that's the way you feel, God bless you. But you guys suck. Go play in the NIT. Go support the game. Go support something other than yourself. North Carolina, I'm disappointed in you. I really am. thought you were better than that. Apparently, uh, I'm wrong. But you know what? The NIT got bought by the NCAA. You're supporting the sport. People want to see North Carolina. Players get to play another game, although maybe they don't. Baycott said it's too hard. The expectations. Hey, man, I tell you what, go play at Bowling Green. Go play at Bowling Green. The expectations aren't great at Bowling Green. No, they're not. I mean, they were when I was a coach. I crushed you because I made you to be a 
uh, a high major. But uh, the truth of the matter is, oh, the expe- expectations at North Carolina are the same as they are at Indiana. Actually, they're higher. Indiana fans are all excited because you got a third-place finish. And, oh, by the way, you beat Maryland in the conference tournament. Yay! North Carolina, you suck for doing that. You just do. Ain't nothing about you guys that, that you should support those that are supporting you. All right. Let's go this route. Last thing, Joe Biden. Why? Just because. Joe Biden keeps telling us while we sit here with record inflation, where we go to the store and eggs that were $2 last year are now $7, which is idiotic to me. But Joe Biden keeps telling us that his way of doing the economy is on the right track. Really? Well, let's see. We just had a bank, a major bank shut down. I'm thinking about going in and getting my money out of Fifth Third immediately. Like, I don't know the banking industry, but I tell you what I am doing later on this week. I am having a long, long conversation. I am. A long conversation with frickin' uh, my bank about where I am with them. Because that clown is doing nothing but running us into the ground while telling us what a great job he's doing. And a lot of you are believing it. And it gives me gas. I mean, total, complete gas. In fact, uh, if you've ever seen Step Brothers, when they are in with Seth Rogen to get Seth Rogen to help them with their, uh, what's it, worldwide, guess what? That's the kind of gas. That's the kind of gas when what's-his-face, the non-Will Ferrell guy, farts in Seth Rogen's office. That's the kind of gas this guy gives me. My economic turn is great. Well, guess what? We already had a bank foreclose. Don't even at me also, uh, Ryan and Dylan. Of course men should get pedicures. Men should not only get pedicures, they should get them all the time. All the time. Giving me gas, Biden. Quit lying to us. Honest to God. He might be the most punchable face that there is. Seth Greenberg's calling me. Hey, Seth, I'm on the air. I'll call you right back. There you go. That's what we do on this show. It makes my producers nuts, but I don't care. We answer phones from people that we like. Seth's coming on later on. He wants to talk ball. All right, coming up uh, this week, this is Dan Dockett's week. Uh, I'm going to be on with the OutKick 360, guys. I'm going to be on with OutKick's David Choi. I think it's David Choi. i got to look up. Uh, He is the football doc. I'm going to be on today with him. Uh, Sports Injury Central podcast. I got a bunch of things going on this week. You can catch me. I think uh, Ken Sterling and I may be doing something. Let's go, baby. Let's go, Wokadope. You know, why do we have Jamie Lee Curtis in our life? When Jamie Lee Curtis had one of the great racks in Hollywood and she would take her shirt off, she was interesting. Then she went away forever, had a little teeny part in a movie, got herself an Oscar. Let's have genderless acting categories. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. You know what? You get to a point where you don't care. Best person acting in a movie. Like, the crap we worry about. I'm anxious to see if anybody watched the Oscars. I watched the Oscars for one minute. I turned it on. Some foreign dude won some award. 
And he started pontificating. He started pontificating on treating each other nice. Uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, all those liberals in there treat us, everybody not agreeing with them, as badly as you can treat anybody. They're horrible. They're awful. They're disgusting. They're liars. And yet they sit up here and say, hey, here's the deal. We're all about love. No, you're not. It's like Seth Davis retweeting a hate article on me and saying, Doyle is spot on. And then in the next vein, be kind today. They're all phonies. Seth Davis is a little weasel, always has been. Last time I saw him, I literally think uh, it was in Vegas, and I think he had Coach Kevin O'Neill's junk in his hand. I think he did. I think he was holding it. I do. But I could be wrong, uh, but I'm not. Yeah, he was. I'm like, hey, man. Anyway, all right, a couple of other things. The Oscars suck. Hope nobody watched them. USC is going to beat Michigan State. That's just one of the things we're going to get into as the week goes on. As the week goes on, we're going to give you everything. Today was Dane Fife in the Midwest region. I think, I think Indiana's going to get through. And then we're going to have a massive celebration here in Hoosierland. But I also got to tell you, I do think Kent State's really good. But God dang, there's no way as an Indiana fan that you can root for Rob Senderoff. He came into Indiana. He was hired by Samson because he was a little cheat. He did his little cheating stuff. He did it poorly, and he got fired. And then somehow, some way, because, I guess, uh, Kent kept it in the family, Senderoff ends up back at Kent, ends up as a head coach, and ends up in the tournament. Good for him. Don't let anybody ever, anywhere, tell you that cheating and cheaters do not prosper in college basketball. Cheating is the only way to go. I've always said before they change the rules, I would like to come back as a college basketball coach. I would cheat my brains out. I would win a national champion and then drop a bag at half court. Now, the problem with that is, number one, there's no such thing as cheating anymore. And then before they changed the rules, the feds got involved, and I didn't want to go to jail. I'll go to jail for a lot of people, but I don't want to go to jail for 18 to 23-year-olds entitled little pains in the ass. I just don't want to do it. Uh, We had a massive show today. We did. I want to thank all of you. My folks on the YouTube chat, man, you guys show up every day. You just do. And I love you for it. Sean Black, I'm sending you a check today for your golf outing. Uh, there's some new folks on there. Van Pasterman, Scotty, Rick Bungle, Mudcat, John Dasman, Joe H., Jeff Novita, uh, Nova, not Novarita, that's an Andrean name. Eric Turner, Haviland, Gritty Jen. Gritty Jen, congratulations. Your Hoosiers made the tournament. Van Pasterman, as I said, Roger Grinsmore. Ruel Miller, there's just a ton of you. And I, who's your daddy? Iron Man Joe H. I appreciate all of you. I appreciate everybody that comes to us every single morning where we have a good time. And oh, by the way, how about the graphics? The new graphics here, man, I'm digging on this. I am. I don't know what colors to wear. If I wear black, I blend in. If I wear white, it's not bad, but you got to wear solid colors. Keep it right here. I'll be on Outkick 360 coming up. Uh, at 3.20, um, and I got a big week. Dylan, Ryan, thank you all so much. Uh, Aaron, can't thank you enough for how much you care. My friend Gary, who's the boss, he's in Italy uh, with his wife, Haley, and Caitlin, and, of course, Chuck. 
You guys are awesome. Davey and the rest of our crew, can't thank you enough. I thank you every day because I mean it every single day. Go fill out your bracket. Mine's right here. Take a screenshot because we're going to get into other regionals tomorrow. Thank you guys for making it your home for morning talk, sports, politics, and I'm just yapping. See you.